there we go. And of course, gotta increase my volume. That's it. That's it. That's it. That increase my volume to one hundred. There we go. We're finishing out the essay, the slave life cycle, which is actually American life cycle, which is the reason why I'm reading it again. Let me just take a drink of water. All right, that's good. Uh, uh. And we're on old age. So we did childhood. We did marriage and relationships. Old age. And this is something that really blew my mind. You'll see um, about slaves during the old age. So old age. As Afro-Americans grew older, illness and lack of stamina cut into their productivity. And their kinfolk or masters had to provide for them. On rare occasions, masters granted special privileges to favored slaves. Landon Carter permitted Jack Lubar and his wife to live quite retired only under my constant kindness. During the last three years of his life and after over a half a century of service. It's just like when you go work for a company. If your boss is kind, you get something, a, a package when you go. If not, maybe you get some cake and ice cream and to see you off. Uh, many old slaves progressed through several stages of downward mobility. Artisans and other skilled workers became common fill hands. Although 10% of the men between 40 and 59 years of age were craftsmen in Prince George's, only 3% of men above 60 years old, 60 years of age, held similar positions. Mulatto Ned, owned by Gabriel Parker of Calvert County, was a carpenter in Cooper most of his life. But he had lost that job by 1750 when he was 65, retiring at 65. Um, Abraham status at Snowden's Ironworks in Ann Arundel County changed from master founder to laborer when he could not work full time. As slaves became feeble, some masters refused to maintain them adequately or sold them to unwary buyers. An act passed by the Maryland Assembly in 1752 complained that sundry persons in this province have set disabled and superannuated slaves free who have either perished through want or otherwise become a burden to others. So, um, superannuated is just elderly. This legisla the legislatures uncovered a problem in 1755. 20% of all free Negroes in Maryland were past labor or cripples, while only 2% of white men were in this category. The remedy, to remedy the abuse, the assembly forbade manumission of slaves by will and insisted that masters feed and clothe their old and ill slaves. If slave owners failed to comply, 
They could be fined four pounds for each offense. So they would set you free when you're about to die. And this reminds me of <clears throat> what the, the modern slavery, which is prisons. A lot of times what you'll see is they're letting old people out. Bones messed up. Um, some of them have cancers. Some of them have diabetes. Some of them have all kinds of issues and they let them out because they're too expensive. And they just drop them back into cities and states. If they have family, they dump them on their families to take care of. Sometimes the state can give you disability, but the prison doesn't have to deal with it. They want labor, free labor. And one of the things in prison that they do is it's always kind of cold and damp in prisons. It's never really, they don't give you heat all the time. And, it, you know, it's not complete heat. So it's always damp. From what I heard, the water was always lukewarm, never hot. So um, a lot of times from years of that, decades of that in your bones cause problems. Since husbands and wives, fathers and children and friends and kinfolk were often physically separated, they had to devise ways of maintaining their close ties. At night and on Sundays and holidays, fathers and other kinfolk visited those family members who lived on other plantations. Fathers on occasion had regular visiting rights. Landon Carter's guy, for instance, visited his wife who lived on another quarter. Every Monday evening, these visits symbolized the solidarity of slave families permitted kinfolk to renew their friendships, but did not allow non-resident fathers to participate in daily rearing of their children. Even though this forced separation of husbands from wives and children from parents tore slave families apart, slaves managed to create kinship networks from this destruction. Slave society was characterized by hundreds of connected and interlocking kinship networks. That stretched across many plantations. A slave who wanted to run away would find kinfolk, friends of kinfolk, or kinfolk of friends along his route willing to harbor him for a while. As kinship networks among Afro-American slaves grew ever larger, the proportion of runaways who were harbored for significant periods of time on slave quarters seems to have increased in both Maryland and Virginia. When people say they want to go back to things, we know slavery was horrible. We know Jim Crow was horrible. We know segregation was horrible. But this is what we miss. It's what we don't have anymore. And um, it is what it is. I don't know. There were three different reasons for slaves to use this, this underground. The first reason, some blacks... Like Harry, who left his master in 1779, stayed in the neighborhood for a week and then took off for Philadelphia, used their friends and kinfolk's hospitality to reach freedom. The second reason, others wanted to visit. About 27% of all runaways from Southern Maryland mentioned in newspaper advertisements from 1745 to 1779, and 54% of all those whose destinations were described by masters ran away to visit. For example, 
Page traveled back and forth between Piscataway and South River in 1749, a distance of about 40 miles, and was not caught. He must have received help from many quarters along his route. And in 1756, Kate, 30 years old, ran away from her master, who lived near Georgetown on the Potomac. She was... Um, she went to South River about 30 miles distance where she had formerly lived. Friends concealed her there. Her master feared the scent that sense. She had been a great rambler and is well known in Calvert and Anne Arundel counties, besides other parts of the county of the country. Kate would indulge herself a little in visiting her old acquaintance, but spent most of her time with her husband at West River. The third reason, indeed, 9% of the Southern Maryland runaways left masters to join their spouses. Sue and her fan and her child Jim, 18 months old, went from Allen's Freshers to Port Tobacco, Charles County, a distance of about 10 miles, to go see her husband. Sam, age 30, lived about 30 miles from his wife in Bryantown, Charles County, when he visited her in 1755. <clears throat> Will had to go <clears throat> more than 100 miles from Charles and Frederick County to visit his wife because her master had taken her from Will's neighborhood to a distant quarter. That's great. And amazing. Spouses throw spouses away now. <laughs> and I'm not going to say no more about that. But spouses throw spouses away now. Black spouses like, eh, you're not doing this. You're not doing enough of that. You're not what I want. I moved on. I don't care anymore. Boom, you're gone. And what's so scary about <clears throat> this reality is... People are looking at us, they're looking at black people, particularly black, black Americans, the, the descendants of the people I'm writing about in this, I'm reading about this book. And they're saying, you guys <clears throat> were better off, you're better off when you're under distress and bondage. Now, that's a lie. We know that's a lie. There's a lot of other things that's going on to force us to just throw each other away. We've had four or five de decades of... Um, mental brutality and and <clears throat> um false um false concepts being shoved into our minds um unreality being forced upon us there's so many black people in bubbles that don't even know they're in bubbles and will look at me people like us and say we're in the bubble when we're in the real world sometimes you know if I'm talking to, if I'm on a line or something like that and talking to white people every once in a while and we get on these subjects of what's going on in society and what's happening and sometimes race will come in because this is America, race will come in. They always ask me, hey man, you know, what do you, what do you think? Or they'll say, oh man, what, what happened? Or, you know, and I have to talk and I have to say, hey, listen. We believe in things that are just not real. <laughs> so we live our life on that belief. 
And that's why when you look at most black people, our lives are in shambles. You know, either we're nodding out, <clears throat> sleeping in parks. We have no political will, no political power, no political will, no will to have power. Um, so many dying. I'm here. Oh, it's like. It's got to be funerals every month from people just in my circles. It feels like back in the crack era when people were dying every day. But now we're not dying from being shot. Um, although there is still some, some gun violence, people are dying from strokes, from heart attacks, from cancers, from malnutrition, um, obesity, um, um, diabetes, asthma. And they're dying at every age. Babies, teenagers, toddlers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and on up. It's a, it's, it's, it's amazing. But we just keep going on with our lives because we got to do us. We got to, you know, do our thing. <laughs> and that's what we've been trained to do. <clears throat> and we're not the only ones like that. There are other people in this country like that, but really... This country could never be anything again until um, the people at the bottom stand up and express something different. Because no matter what, what the people now, no matter what the people at the top do, they've convinced us that we're not worth anything. Like I always say, white liberals treat me like four-fifths of a human. White conservatives treat me like three-fifths of a human. And other blacks treat me like two-fifths of a human. That's the way we treat each other. That's what that's what we got going on now. Hopefully. Well, I don't say hopefully. Things will change because they just have to change. This is not sustainable. And um, I want to say I see the young people doing something different, but I see some. But then I listen to some when I'm on the train, I'm on the bus, I'm walking to the store, I see them sometimes, see kids coming out of school, and it's, mm, as far as black children go, eh, mm, and other children I don't think really are, like I look at high school children in the United States and they're so disconnected, but you know, and I don't know, are they going to be able to stand up to the American rock. I think they have good hearts. Um, and I think there is a lot more mixing. But at the end of the day, when it comes time to institutions and systems, are they going to build institutions and systems with us? Or build them and just let us in? Because then we're right back where I was reading in this essay. I don't know what I'm going to read next week. Sunday, I'm taking questions. Nobody asked me any questions, so I'll just answer questions that I see people doing. Or I might just do a, an, a, a personal essay. I'm thinking about it. Um, there's always questions to answer and things to talk about. So I'll see you Sunday. Um, and if you want to support, you know, click the links. 
um, give directly and or become a sponsor. Until next time, take care of yourselves and be safe.